This is episode 165 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. This episode goes back to the 2016 men's equipping retreat, Big Kingdom, Little Kingdom, with Mark Hafner and Jeremy Schumacher. This is session one. Um, it's really it's really a privilege to, to be here. These men's equipping retreats have been uh, something that we've been involved with for a number of years, and I'm always excited about what uh, we talk about. And this year is some stuff that I think is going to be really helpful. It was really helpful to me. Um, so what I'm going to be sharing with you over these next uh, few uh, few days, uh, two days, today and tomorrow. Um, I hope it'll I hope it'll impact you as much as it helped not only myself but the men in our church and the ministries in our church. Um, but what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to just uh, take a moment and I'd like you to try to create a word picture in your mind. I want you to just think about something for us for a moment. If uh, you and uh, your wife, maybe some of your older children. Um, if you have children, those that are uh, more towards the adult side of the, of the spectrum, uh, maybe a, a handful of your very, very best friends, maybe a handful of people that are uh, close to you, uh, maybe a couple of key relatives or, or whatever, um, people who know you pretty good. And I just want you to picture yourself with that group of people and you are in absolutely no hurry. You're sitting around the campfire, um, and it's, it's warm enough that you don't have to leave because you're freezing to death, and it's not so hot that you have to leave because you're too hot. It's that perfect temperature, the perfect s'more, that group of people, and all of a sudden, uh, God comes in and sits down and, and joins your campfire. Okay, so you're sitting there with your closest friends and family and, and, and God, and as you're sitting around that campfire, um, God begins to open the pages of the photo album of your life. Okay, so I want you to imagine pages in the photo album of your life. So let me see if I can say it another way. Your life has had numerous experiences, numerous activities, all kinds of conversations, all kinds of relationships. You have engaged in living life and there are pictures in your mind that you have cataloged and categorized and you have uh, determined who you are in light of those pictures. Okay, you following me? Can you pick up just one or two specific pictures? Okay, I just want you to try to, try. I know it's difficult, but I want you to just try to hone in on one or two very important life pictures for you. They could be um, incredibly wonderful moments, they could be tragic moments, they could be moments of fear, they could be moments of joy, uh, they could be experiences that, that caused to that kind of set the course of your life in terms of choices, 
that one activity set in motion a whole bunch of choices, life choices. I, I want you to just get two of those things in your head and try to hold on to them in your mind, okay? As you think about that, what I would like us to do as we think about this idea of the photo album of our life, if God was sitting at the fire and you were sitting at the fire, whose perspective of that event is driving your truth reality? Whose perspective of that event is driving your truth reality? Let me see if I can say it another way. I'm going to use some pictures up here to do that. When I imagine my past, when I think about my past, when I try to picture all of the events of my life, whose perspective is bringing interpretation to it? Am I interpreting the life, my life pictures? Or is God interpreting my life pictures? In other words, if God and I were sitting at that fire with all of my friends sitting around, and we pulled up that life picture, and I said, you know what, this is what that meant. This is why that was so important. This is what that did to me. This is why I got so angry. This is why I was so happy. When you said that, would God say, no, that's not what that was all about. That's not why you went through that. That's not the purpose for what that circumstance was all about. Or would he say, yeah, you got it right. That's exactly why you went through that, that set of circumstances. Whose perspective of what's happened to you in your life dominates your truth reality. In other words, if I won't come to terms with who it is who's deciding what I think about what's happened to me, then I will be a man who is not centered on that which God intended me to be centered. In other words, if God is the author of my existence, if God is not only the creator, but He's the sovereign ruler over everything that happens, then everything that's happened to me is a gift from God for the purpose of me knowing Him better. So the problem is, is if I am the one who decides why something happened to me, 
then I get to be the one who determines how I'm going to respond to it. If God is the one who determines... You need to not put your arm on the transmitter. This year? Yeah. My okay, my bad. If I... If God is the one who is... Freeze! <laughs> make it so I can only sit on it and If God is the one who determines the reason for why everything's come into my life, now all of a sudden what happens is I get, I've never tried to speak with somebody. <laughs> and this is getting recorded. <laughs> what I want to say, I can't say because it'll live forever and ever and ever. But quit playing with my... You know what I mean. Uh, can we do it? Are you getting a line feed? There we go. Okay. I'm just going to follow you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to see if I can gather my thoughts now. <laughs> yeah, who interprets that circumstance, all right? So when we think about the, our life pictures, if God is the author of everything that's taken place in my life, and I will submit what has happened to me in my life to the fact that he has a perspective of that, in other words, he had a reason why he took me through that. And if there's a reason why he took me through that, now all of a sudden, I begin to go, if this is what I went through, and this is why God took me through it, now I can begin to make an equation about what is it that I learn about God because of that. If I go through this circumstance, and I get to decide why I went through that circumstance, now all of a sudden, I get to determine what it means. And all of a sudden, what happens is, is I find myself moving to one or another kingdom. In other words, if I am the one who gets to determine what, I've, what it is that I've gone through and what it means, then I get to bring conclusion to that. So I get to literally be my own king. If God is the one who took me through all of these life circumstances, and He has a perspective on those life, cir uh, on those life circumstances, and I get to now come to terms with God's perspective on those life circumstances, then I realize that He's my king. And so all of a sudden what happens is, is I find myself going through life circumstances from one perspective or the other. Either it's my perspective about my life or it's God's perspective about my life. And so what we want to do is we want to take a few minutes and we want to try to process this through. But let's think this through uh, just a little bit uh, by taking a look at a couple of passages of Scripture. All right? The first passage of Scripture that we want to look at is found in 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, we've got this uh, amazing passage of Scripture that relates to this idea. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 5. <clears throat> Uh, Paul here is defending his ministry. And as he is defending his ministry, he comes down to this idea that we are, um, 
that, that we do not want to be a people that are walking according to the flesh. And then he goes down in verse 4 and he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now look at verse 5. We, uh, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ or to obey Christ. Now think about that for just a second. Alright? So what, what is he saying? He's saying that there is a knowledge of God that needs to be understood. And the knowledge of God that needs to be understood can only be understood if I will stop and I will think, take every thought captive. Well, what does that mean? Well, if all of a sudden you and I start thinking about something, it will be that which we have gone through. In other words, if I'm going to stop and try to understand what it is I just went through, I'm going to take that thought captive, then I'm going to bring it in submission or obedience to Christ. So here, all of this happened to me when I was a kid, or all of this happened to me when I was a junior high school, or this was my high school years, or my college years, or my whatever years. And all of a sudden, I realized that Satan, he wants to destroy me, destroy the things that are important in my life, and so he wants me to think wrongly about those things. So God says, no, I want you to think rightly about those things. So I want you to think about that, and then I want you to take captive of that thought, and now I want to, you to bring it in submission or obedience to Christ. Let's see if we can look at it from another perspective. Go to the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, uh, we've got a, just a, a wonderful passage of Scripture that, that gets at this idea from just a, a little bit different perspective. Romans chapter uh, 12, and it's at, uh, beginning with verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So here we have this idea that I'm going to present myself to God. Okay, now think with me for just a second. What is it that I'm presenting to God? When I present myself to God, how do you define yourself? What is the essence of yourself? What is it? How would you describe? If somebody said, who are you? Okay, what would you do? You would rehearse some pictures of your past. You would say, well, I'm the son of these parents. I am from this school. I got this degree. I received Jesus Christ at this time in my life. Um, I'm going to present who I am to God. Who am I? Okay. So it says that, that we're to, to be, um, we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So this presentation of who I am to God is an act of worship. But now look at the second verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
that by testing, that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, what's he, what's he driving at here? Well, all of a sudden, what we realize is this idea that I'm not going to be conformed to the world, but I'm going to be transformed because I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to think differently than I used to. I'm going to renew my mind. My mind is going to get changed. Changed about what? What am I going to think differently about? Well, all of a sudden, what we realize is, is that what he's driving at in the, in the most uh, basic level is I'm going to change my mind about what I think about me. Which means I have to reinterpret or get a different perspective about my past. Why did God take me through the things that he took me through? For what purpose did I live the life that I've lived? I need to take that thought captive. Now I need to bring that in obedience of Christ. Why? Because I want to present myself to Christ. When I present myself to Christ, now I need to not be conformed to that old thinking, but I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I need to think differently. So when I renew my mind, then what happens? Now I can test that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is. What was the will of God? What was the will of God for all of the things that you have gone through in your life? How does what the will of God was for why you went through the things you went through important for what he has for you next. If I get my past wrong, how do you think it's going to go for my future? So all of a sudden what we begin to realize is, is I need to come to terms with what's gone on in my life in the past so that I might think correctly in the present so that I might live with maturity in the future. So as we think about perspective, is, is it my perspective about what's happened to me that, that I need to submit to? Or is it God's perspective about what I went through that I need to, um, that I need to submit to? So let's think about it for just a second. Okay? Let's move it to, one, to the next level here. What happens to relationships when I interpret my life the way God intended for me to look at my life? What happens to relationships when I interpret my life by my life? So how I look at life and how I look at others... is determined by the perspective that I have. If my perspective comes from me, then how am I going to view my wife, my kids, my friends, the other people around the campfire? 
if the perspective of seeing life and others the way God sees life and others, how God sees these people around the campfire. So let me see if I can give you an example. Sitting around the campfire, God's there, and I'm going to tell you why God gave me my wife. If God is not in the equation to why I think God gave me my wife, then the chances are the reason God gave me my wife is because it's all about who? It's all about me. You, yeah. It can't be all about you. That's right. So if, if, I, if I don't see God as the one orchestrating the reality that this is my wife, and there's, he had a purpose for that, now I get to determine how I see my wife. And if I get to determine how I see my wife, and I don't like what I see, what do I get to do? Reevaluate yourself. Yeah, or get rid of the re relationship. You see? But if all of a sudden I realize, sitting around the fire, God says, let me tell you why I gave you that. Let me tell you why I brought her into your life. Now all of a sudden, I begin to realize that if that's why God brought that woman into my life, then I need to understand from His Word how I need to relate to her because of that reason. Why did God give me the parents He gave me? I've got seven, eight children. <laughs> I almost had seven, but gosh, I do. I have eight, all right? Seven of my kids came through adoption. So we adopted them through the, the state of Oregon. Okay? So if you ask them the question about their parents, okay, why did God give you those parents that loved their sin more than they loved you? So that the state of Oregon took them away from you. And now you've got this other set of parents. Why did I have to have two sets of parents? If my kids get to come to conclusion about that on their own, then what might be the way in which they relate to their biological parents? Not very good. In fact, our culture would say it's okay to hate them for what they did to you. But if God is the one who gave them those parents who loved their sin more than they loved their kids and they had to be jerked out of that environment and they end up with this new set of parents and now they have to get a perspective on that first biological set of parents, guess what? Now there's a whole different set of criterion by how I think about that circumstance. So what do you think happens in my home almost with every one of those kids at a certain point in time? It's when they move from hating their parents and hating their circumstances to where they can now forgive their parents and start to pray for their parents. And now all of a sudden, 
what I wanted from them before God was in my life and what I want from them now that God is in my life are two totally different stories. Now let me ask you the question. Did the circumstances change? No. Absolutely not. What changed? The perspective. How did they get that God perspective? By taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ. When they take that thought captive in obedience of God, now they can present themselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is their reasonable service. Now what can they do? Now they can move away from being conformed to the world and they can be transformed by the renewing of their mind. And as they begin to, to renew their mind, then look what Romans says. It says they can now test that you may discern what the will of God is. What is the will of God for my kids in relationship to their biological parents? It's to love them. It's to pray for them. It's to try to create an environment in which someday they'll be able to share the gospel with them. In some cases, it's to become so healthy that when they get to the point where they can, they're going to end up taking care of their parents because their parents screwed up their life so badly. Can you have the kind of love for your parents who abandoned you as a child for your sin, for their sin, and now you have seen it from God's perspective, and now you are mature, now you are healthy, now you have an income, and your parents are so messed up that they can't take care of themselves, and so you extend to them the kind of love that's necessary to help your parents because you see your parents from a God perspective that says God reconciles all things to himself. Whose perspective primarily is driving the word pictures of your life? Yours or God's? When it's me, it affects relationships in an unhealthy manner. When it's God, it reconciles all relationships to Him and to others. So what does that do to me emotionally? What happens to me emotionally? Well, in reality, what you could say is that my emotions are the fruit of what's come out of here. Okay? I, I have this thing that happened to me in my life. This is my perspective about it. This is how it's affected the relationships. And therefore, these are the emotions that I display because of it. Or I can say, this is what happened in my life. This is God's perspective on it. This is how it's impacted relationships. And this is how it's affected me emotionally. Think the Bible speaks to any of that? Amen. You bet it does. Every bit of it. You bet it does. Let's look at an example in Colossians uh, chapter 1. And in Colossians chapter 1, uh, we're going to look at two passages in Colossians. <clears throat> the first one is in Colossians chapter 1, and I, I want to start at, um, at verse 15. 
for this reason, again, uh, this is a thanksgiving and a prayer section here. Goes uh, to. No, it's not. This is a, a section on the preeminence of Christ. Um, uh, Colossians 1.15. He is the image, uh, speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Now, now keep looking at what it says here. All things were created... Through him and what? By him. For, for him. him. For him. Yep. So your life is what? For him. Your life is for him. My life is for him. If my life is for him and he's the one who's created it, he probably has a, a, a perspective. Right? Okay, so then, then look what it says. Okay? Verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So... Every relationship of any kind is connected in relationship because of him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be what? Preeminent. He might be preeminent. Okay, so, so let's think about that for just a second. The preeminence of Christ in all things. Okay, back to the campfire. <coughs> Got your word picture. Not only does he have a perspective on it, but he's what? He's preeminent in it. He's preeminent in it. There's nothing that's ever happened to you that God wasn't preeminent in relationship to it. He is preeminent in all things. So because he is preeminent, that he might be preeminent, verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, referring to Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself most things. Right? No. No. All things. All things. He is going to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. What is one of the primary emotions that comes to you and I when we have God's perspective on that which he has been preeminent in in our life, which is everything? Peace. Peace. What do you think happens over here? Chaos. Confusion. All kinds of bad emotions. Let's look at another one. Go to uh, Colossians chapter 2. I love this text. You have to you have to work at this one a little bit, okay? This is because this is kind of like in story form here. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, uh, down and down through verse 3, it says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, 
Okay, so, so Paul says, I'm going I'm to put out all this effort for you. I'm going to do something for you, and, and it's going to cost me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out effort for you. I'm going to struggle um, for you. How great a struggle I have for you. And for those at Laodicea. So not only you, but your church. Uh, I'm, I'm going to struggle for all of you. And for all who have not seen me face to face. And even you who, who haven't met me yet. I'm going to struggle for you. I'm going to put out effort for you. Now look at verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged. Be knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance. Okay, that... It's a beautiful concept here. Full assurance. It's the idea of a solid foundation of positive emotions in the life. So what Paul is saying is, I want you to have this full assurance. I want you to have this solid foundation of emotion. Think about it. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. What is that assurance? It's a solid foundation of emotion that says, I can hang my hat on that truth. Okay? So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, I'm going to work really hard so that your hearts may be encouraged. So in this relationship, there's going to be encouragement that they're going to be knit together in love. There's going to be this love relationship to reach uh, all the riches of full assurance of understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Can I think about it for just a second? All right? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How does that get applied in my life? Well, it gets applied in my life by going back and taking a good look at my life from his perspective. When I look at my life from his perspective, now all of a sudden I begin to embrace his wisdom and his knowledge for giving me the life that he gave me so that at the moment of transformation, I might be able to be fully assured that he had preeminence in everything he took me through for his glory. Amen. In other words, he created me for his glory. He sustained me for his glory. And he now is leading me to glory. So let's process it here. From my perspective, I get to determine why I went through that. Man, I'm really mad at those people. I'm really mad at those parents. I'm really mad at that dog. Whatever it was that, that bit you. Okay? And therefore, you know, I like him, but I don't like him. I'll run with him, but I'm not going to run with him. And now all of a sudden, whenever I see them, this is my emotion. So now all of a sudden I have to ask myself the question, then what are my desires? What are my desires? 
I've got this life situation. God's got a perspective on it. Because God's perspective forces me to have to realize that He gave it to me as a gift so that I might know more about God. Now I can be reconciled to God so I can be reconciled to others. In my reconciliation to God and reconciliation to others, all of a sudden I find love and joy and peace. Or to say it another way, I find a firm foundation of assurance, healthy emotion. So then what comes out of that in terms of my desires? Well, the Bible tells us. The book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, we have this idea of the, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. But notice what it says in Galatians chapter 5. And let's begin with uh, verse 17. Uh, actually, verse 16 kind of sets the context. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the Spirit. So you see the comparison contrast, walking by the Spirit or walking in the flesh. So then he goes in and he talks about the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. And there's the list. There's the list. Can okay, I think with me for just a second? If I live my life by my life, then what is it that I'm going to desire? Whatever my flesh determines. So in other words, to say it another way, what's going to happen is I am going to find that my flesh is inflamed. I am going to become more and more inflamed by my flesh. Because the more I try to satisfy my perspective, the more it's going to drive my flesh to want more. And all of a sudden what happens is, is I simply become the composite of my inflamed desires. In other words, I have been overcome by the flesh. <coughs> but what about the person who lives according to God's perspective? What he says there is, but the fruit of the Spirit is. So what's he saying there? What he's saying is, is that, that the person who lives according to God's perspective, who is reconciled to God and others, and who has a firm foundation of assurance, that that person is going to have his desires managed or controlled by the Spirit. So I don't have to walk in the flesh, but I can walk in the Spirit. I don't have to carry out the desires of the flesh, but I can have the Spirit of God now control my desires. Why? Because I want what He wants, not what I want. Because I realize that what He wants 
is what's best for me because he's the one who's been preeminent in everything related to me. So we go back to that original question. Who are you? Who am I? How do we determine our existence? Have you reserved the right to hold on to your perspective about what's happened to you in the past? Have you reserved the right to not only to hold on to it, but to act out towards others because of it? Have you determined that because I have acted this way to these people and they have responded, that these emotions are justified and therefore to medicate my pain I am going to feed my flesh or are you a man who says I'm going to take every thought captive I'm going to look at that photo album at the fire and I'm going to let God tell me why it was that he gave me the life that he gave me. And as I think about it from his perspective, I'm going to embrace his wisdom and his knowledge. And I'm going to find reconciliation to God and to others, my primary goal in relationship, so that I can have a firm foundation of emotion that allows me to believe that the Holy Spirit's control of my desires is the very best thing that could ever happen to me. Amen. Making any sense here? If not, just say yes because I don't know how else to teach it. All right? <laughs> Uh, so let's just conclude and Jared's going to come up in just a second he's going to give you your, your assignment but here's how I would like to and there's a paper that you guys are going to get that has this outline on it too by the way um, but here's what I want you to think with me for just a second as you get ready to go into your um, into to your, your group activity okay do I live by myself, for myself. That's this side. Or, do I live for something bigger than myself? That's this other side. Are you living for something more? Or are you living that you might have more? In other words, big kingdom living, little kingdom living. Say it another way, I am my own king and I get to decide about me. Big kingdom living. I was created by God for God's good pleasure and God's good purposes. So just to 
add one more piece to the dynamic. Psalm 139 says what about you? That you were fearfully and wonderfully made, and your soul knows it very well. What does that psalm say about God's relationship to you and your circumstances? Even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, thou knew it. Before there was a thought, before I sat down, before I raised up, if I went into the deepest part of Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I ascend to the, on the wings of the dawn, thou art there. In other words, I've hemmed you in, behind and before. Why? Because I am preeminent, I'm sovereign. Everything, I created it, and I created it for me. And because I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Little kingdom, big kingdom. All right, we've got an assignment that uh, hopefully uh, will push this a little further, and then uh, we will pick up some more stuff tomorrow. Some more survey sets. Survey sets. <laughs> So you can imagine that if we were proficient at taking our life storybook and walking it through to a, an end uh, where we could identify, or to an end at that big kingdom level, the kind of impact that, that God would do. And if you can imagine that not only maybe you work through that, but those that are around you, you help them unpack their storybook, their album in their life, and walk through these things, evaluating, have I... Have I settled for little kingdom living? How do I get back to big kingdom living? Um, what does that look like? What needs to be corrected there? Um, so, you, those around you, what about those combined with you? Kind of like a, a group that you're a part of, a, a Bible study, a, um, a larger, you know, a larger group. What would happen if you were able to help them? process this. So in your influence into those relationships, you were at a spot of health and perspective of big kingdom living that you were to help them. And what if you were to help those that, that you lead, that you actually have uh, been given charge over to help them walk through and, and work through the album of their life and, and land in a big kingdom perspective where, thing, where it's light. Emotional responses are marked by peace and joy. Forgiveness is quick. There isn't these deep-rooted seeds of bitterness. So if you just imagine the people that you lead and have influence over, or if you have that uh, responsibility of being a leader of leaders, how is it that you help them process their stuff so that they can lead in their areas? Okay, so you see you got this flow uh, from our imagination to the perspective to relationships to emotions to our desires. And each point we make a choice. Big kingdom, little kingdom. That's what you have diagrammed here. Mark walked us through by those scriptures as to how the, the uh, word of God has directed us to address these things at each point of the way. So what I want you to do within the, your groups is you're going to, each group is going to receive a three sheets with these little pictures on them. These are little metaphor cards, little metaphor pictures. They don't have a specific meaning, but they are to trigger some thoughts, some um, uh, uh, memories, some, some of your album. And so as you guys are going to sit around a table, 
looking at these, helping them to direct to one of those pictures in your album, you're going to take that picture and then walk it through this flow chart, so to speak, with the guys around the table. Because it's probably a good idea to be proficient at doing this with ourselves before we go and impose that on somebody else. That's what Mark started by saying, this has been really impactful for me to be able to just walk through my album and the page. And letting the Spirit of God just direct that. So getting at those identity questions. Who am I? The Spirit-led questions. And then the idea that at the end, this big kingdom living results in godly character. The kind of men that we're trying to, to be. So this is the equipping part where you're actually taking the truth and then you're going to walk it through and practice. Just try and get through there. Take that picture, whatever picture that God brings to your mind. Describe it to the guys around the table. Describe your perspective on it. Okay, what's your perspective on it? You may land on either side of this. And if you, depending on the size of your group and how long you're willing to stay up tonight, you may choose to try and pick one that you're pretty certain lands on the little kingdom side and then maybe try one that lands on the big kingdom side and just see if you just can walk that out. Now, the other guys listening around the table are going to be a sounding board. They get to, if you give them permission, just kind of speak back into that. So when you're trying to pull it over on them about uh, their relationships, and they're describing that and coming down here, who gets to see those relationships maybe from a different perspective? Shed some light on that. Maybe gets to say, okay, you say this is true about your relationships. But why do I see this cold distance emotionally? It seems that sometimes um, there's a disconnect there. What about those outbursts that just we kind of are, you know, have uh, rolled off as Frankisms or, you know, whatever the case is, that's just kind of like, well, that's just the way that he is. Maybe there's some work to be done there that you can help each other identify and go, you know what? I thought that my emotions uh, were indicative of healthy relationships. Maybe not. Maybe I need to back the train up there. Okay, so you're going to just have an opportunity to take. Take a, a picture from the pages of your album and walk it through this flow chart and uh, just try and describe that. Help each other uh, by asking questions and, and uh, speaking back into that and try and get down to, this, to the bottom here and, um, and analyze that. Now, just want to point out on uh, the fruit of what's above, okay, that IPR. Uh, that is uh, the initials for your imagination, perspective, and relationship. So when you're down there, what's, what's the fruit of your imagination, your perspective, your relationships as it relates to that picture? What's that, that fruit of that? How would you describe that? And then from that fruit, you have your desires, either inflamed by the flesh or controlled or managed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's the directive. You got that flow chart. You're going to... Um, be able to use this room, you can use the dining hall, um, you can use your cabin space, wherever you'd like to go, and you can, uh, that's, that's what we have for tonight. So you just have time to go sprint over to that couch area in the corner of the dining hall and hold up there and, uh, you know, and go for it. Okay, so maybe just uh, pray together and then get right to it, have a brave volunteer to step out and do it. Then for uh, tonight, be sure to talk to Tyler if you're having a housing issue or something come up. We want to make sure that uh, uh, we only have one night. So um, we want to get our, our best night's sleep out of one night as possible, all right? So make sure if there, you need anything, you talk with him. And then tomorrow morning at 6.30, we'll have a very light continental breakfast 
available in the dining hall there. The coffee um, and the continental breakfast will be there if you need to get something in your system and you're an early riser, that's for you. Um, and then I'd like to change, or I'd like to just let you know, we do not have the shooting range open. Uh, tomorrow morning from 6.30 to 8.30, okay? So you don't have that open. So I would like to move the session number two to 8.30 instead of 9. Let's back it up to 8.30 a.m. instead of 9. That'll be in here. So continental breakfast at 6.30 if you'd like. You don't have to. And then uh, session at 8.30 in here. And we'll have some time to do that. All right. Let me pray as you guys go out. If you have any questions you want to linger around, be happy to talk with you. Father, thank you for time. Thank you for, um, for guiding us into uh, these truths. Now, Father, I just pray that you would uh, give us the boldness to uh, be truthful before you and before these brothers so that you might uh, do your work of freeing us, continually freeing us, um, allowing us to experience a, a full life, an abundant life. And... Uh, Father, where there's repentance that needs to happen tonight, may we be good brothers by sharing the gospel with them. Just reminding them of the grace that is in Jesus Christ and how specifically His death on the cross pays and covers their sin. And God, we'd be reminding them of His resurrection and this promise of new life that we have. In Him, we can have a new life. We can have a life lived in the, in the big kingdom, the kingdom of light. And so, Father, just where there needs to be repentance, just give us much grace to walk there. Um, and, Father, where we can celebrate, where we can affirm one another, where we can just um, uh, encourage one another to continue on to celebrate the work that we see in each other's lives. God, may we do that as well. So that we would be, be a, uh, a people, a group of men that um, put our full faith and trust in you to, to shape us into the men you want us to be. So, Father, thank you for tonight. And we ask your blessing on this 